Hey, welcome to another episode of Dying to Listen podcast presented by the Disc Golf Dyers Guild. Today, we have the Daddy Mac, Mac Daddy of all disc dyes, Chris Tannis from Daddy Mac Dyes. So, welcome. Thank you for being on here. Hey, I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, I've been wanting to uh, to do this for a while, man, ever since you first started. So, uh, so it's a it's an honor to be on, man. So, um, I don't know how to announce you. Is it Daddy Mac, Mac Daddy, Mick Daddy, Daddy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Daddy Mac dies. So, uh, my son is Mac, and um, you know, being a, uh, I guess, being a kid of the the late 80s early 90s uh you know crisscross was uh i think that was actually probably one of my first cassette tapes or that uh, that i ever got so um you know daddy mac for for whatever reason just kind of uh it kind of stuck and i uh, you know i was going i think when i first started uh dying i was going by trail dot or dot park so when you said it it was trailer park but uh you know it's <laughs> kind of a fun play on words and and then, you know, for whatever reason, when, uh, you know, when I kind of got a little more serious about starting the business, it, uh, uh, yeah, Daddy Mac was, it was weird. It was just like the first thing, you know, the first thing I thought of and then, you know, with, uh, with, with my son, uh, you know, his name being Mac, it just, it, it worked and it stuck. Well, Chris, thanks for taking time out of your very busy day from saving children, dying discs, selling <laughs> blank disc dies and die accessories, as well as playing disc golf and yeah. creating a disc golf course. How do you find time for all of this? Um, good question because I'm not super uh, disciplined. Um, it's it you know it's it's something I've I've gotten used to. I've done so many odd jobs throughout my life, um, but this was you know this is the first time where it seems like everything that I'm doing is is what I want to be doing, right? Like I'm not going to a, a you know, a, an eight hour a day job that I despise. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're lucky enough to have something like that, it makes things, uh, you know, a whole lot easier to, uh, uh, to fit in a day when you enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, the fire department, I, I joined, uh, about five, I think actually almost to the day, about five years ago now, um it's kind of a you know it was funny like it's the only place in town with a gym and uh but you have to be a member to be able to use it and uh, it kind of started that way and i got my my first call as a firefighter i uh so we're in a small town and they have a a, a whistle that goes off anybody listening if you might you might know about this so, you know there's this horn that goes off for a fire call so i've been in the fire department about a week it's all it's, it's volunteer right so you you know whenever the call goes out you might uh, you might be able to respond and you might not so the horn goes off and i live you know about a block away from the fire department so i'm flying I'm pulling my socks on throwing my shoes on throw some shorts on and i sprint down to the the fire department and uh I'm the first one there. Nobody's there yet. The horn is blaring. I can't hear anything. Uh, you know, it's so loud and I don't have a, a key or a code or anything to get in the fire department yet. And, uh, so I got to stand there and wait. Finally, uh, a couple of guys show up and we, we go in, we throw a turnout gear and jump on the truck and, uh, we're pulling out. I think this is, uh, probably summertime. So there's a lot of people in town. There's a little pizza, pizza spot right on the corner. And we jump in the truck and we head across uh, the intersection there, lights and, and sirens going. 
And uh, this big group of people was right there on the, the corner. And they, you know, we all like make eye contact and they're, they're giving us the go. And uh, that feeling I got in that moment, I, uh, I was, I was hooked. Uh, you know, I knew I was uh, where I belonged and, and doing what, uh, doing what I want to do. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a, uh, you know, just a, 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 you know, a passion uh, ever since. That's awesome because uh, being a fire uh, fighter is a lot of work. And besides the gym aspect and that experience, what made you actually want to do firefighting? You know, it was um, it was one of those things. I, I I don't know when I was younger. Uh, I I always looked up to those guys. I guess um, you know I thought it was a, a really noble. Uh, profession and uh, I didn't think much of myself for a, you know a long time in my life and never thought you know I would be that person or good enough you know I I, I in my 20s I, I tended to uh, to be a screw up and and uh, that just never seemed uh, like it would be a reality and then um, when I was uh, 34 you know I kind of I kind of started to get my my act together and uh and I knew a few guys that were that were volunteers at the the station here in Roscoe, and and they kind of uh, persuaded me to come down and and uh, and and told me about the gym, and it, yeah, I don't know, you know, what just uh, a part of part of growing up, and then and then once you realize, um, uh, you know, the importance of it to the community, especially a community like this that's uh, that's all volunteer and. Um, you know, these guys, they pour their heart and soul into this and, uh, you know, it just kind of makes you want to do the same. That is awesome. And I, uh, commemorate you. I don't know if that's the right word, commend, commend you for actually (laughs) doing that. Um, so that, that is awesome. Uh, and keep up the great work with that and, and please stay safe. Um, what actually got you into disc golf? Um, so I grew up in, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, at least when I was younger from about the ages of, uh, five, uh, I think till I was, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe. Um, but we had a park there. Uh, it was Kentwood, Kentwood park. Uh, and my grandpa used to take me there to play in the playground. And I think, it, you know, there was a disc golf that course that went around there. I think it was just one of those things that like, Hey, here kid you know, go do this, go run and get some energy out. And, uh, and I started then, uh, I think I was about nine years old. I had my first disc was a, I think it was a blue stingray, a blue DX stingray with a yellow stamp. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first one that comes to mind that I remember. And, um, yeah, just start, you know, we would go to the park and I would go fling that thing all over the park and it just kind of became a, a thing that I did, you know, I didn't play consistently from the age of nine on, um, but uh, it was always kind of uh, a part of my life um, uh, in various stages. Um, you know, you know, growing up is always something to do uh, with friends, and and um, so yeah, going on, you know, almost thirty years on and off a, a disc golf. What does disc golf mean to you? Wow. Um, you know, it means, it, I mean, obviously it means a lot just, uh, you know, in different aspects of my life, you know, it, it's, 
uh, for my own personal sanity, it's just it's my happy place to get out on the course and uh, and go throw, whether that's with friends or my son or or by myself. Um, you know, so it means a lot for um, you know just the, my my mental well being and happiness. Uh, you know, obviously business wise, it means a ton, uh, and it's. It's so nice to see the recognition I think that it's getting now. Um, you know, like I said, being in the sport almost 30 years, um, you know, really had to, uh, uh, you know, you had to stick up for the sport a lot. You know, it was uh, very, uh, obviously to the outside world, it's this hippie sport with a bunch of guys just walking around and smoking weed. So, you know, to, uh, you know, to stick up for the sport and be like, no, it's really fun. You know, I never met anybody that went out and uh, and played a legitimate round that uh, didn't thoroughly enjoy themselves. Maybe maybe one or two, um, but uh, very rare that that uh, I you know I met anybody that didn't like it. Um, but uh, you know, to to stick up but stick up for it for for so long and uh, to have it be a part of my life. You know, the, to to be able to see it grow the way it is, to see these pros now signing big contracts. Uh, you know, it, disc golf was not a, uh, and, and, and part of the reason why I didn't, you know, stick with it, um, I think through, you know, uh, consistently throughout my life was that, you know, there, there wasn't a future, right, in disc golf. You know, there was maybe five guys that were making money playing disc golf, you know, Ken Climo and, and Barry Schultz and those, you know, those guys, you know, you weren't making money unless you were the manufacturer or you were the top, you know, five touring guys. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't something that uh, that I you know I, I took that seriously, um, you know I I I didn't think you know there was any future in disc golf, right? It was just it was something to play recreationally, and um, <clears throat> and then now to uh, you know it's within two years uh, you know to be traveling to uh, to different tour events uh, to sponsor tour players uh, and be you know kind of in and out of the scene is uh, just I don't know. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. Like I, I, I never would have thought in a million years that um, you know I, I would actually uh, have a business in disc golf, and uh, and and the 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 you know the, the that's the rewarding feeling is to to stick with the sport so long to be a part of it for so long, and then now to have the sport you know take care of me is just uh, it, it really is surreal, honestly. Yeah, it's crazy to see how much the sport has grown, especially in the past few years of how much this has blown up. So mm -hmm. um, it's it's definitely interesting and um, awesome, really. Um, what got you into disc dying? Um, well, we you know you know in you know to kind of add to that, you know, I I think we had, we were, you know you were saying the the sport's grown. I think we. We really have the pandemic to thank for that, um, you know, which I, I think is it's weird to, to say. But, you know, I think we have the pandemic to thank. It was one of the only things you could get out and do, you know, with your friends and, and you know, stay uh, uh, socially distant. But um, that was kind of where it started. You know, I got I was working at a uh, there's a brewery here in Roscoe, Roscoe Beer Company. And, and um, I'd been bartending there for about three years. And uh when the pandemic hit, you know, everybody kind of shut, shut down. So, uh, so I was at home and I, I had seen on Facebook, I don't even know, honestly, I don't even know how I came across it. Like what the luck was that, uh, that this, uh, image popped up 
uh, on my Facebook feed. And it was a dyed disc, um, you know, with flames running around the, uh, the edge. And, you know, I, I have an artistic background. Uh, my, my dad was a woodworker. My mom was always super uh, crafty and, and whatever it is. I, you know, I, uh, I went to, uh, when, I, when I did go to college, um, I was uh, an art major. I was an art major through high school. Uh, so I kind of, like, I knew I could do it. I thought it was very interesting, and I was like, "Well, you know, I sh I'll give it a try." And and I pulled my discs out, and uh, you know, I messed up uh, a bunch of discs. I, well, honestly, my first die wasn't that horrible. I sent you know, I sent you the picture there. Um, that's that. I, if I'm not mistaken, that is a Raider with the little mini Huck Lab stamp on it, and that was my first die. It was a lotion die, and. I had no idea what I was doing. I mixed, I actually, I think all I did with that or what I did with that was I'm pretty sure it was I dye poly. They're blue. And I mixed that with acetone. Uh, and then I just straight dripped it on top of the lotion. That was it. And, uh, I just took that and ran a skewer through it and set it down in there. And, and, you know, that's what I got. And, uh, I, you know, I was kind of hooked from there, you know, I, I, you know, just little, um, uh, you know, little tweaks here and there. And then just, you know, it kind of just steamrolled or snowballed one of the two snowballed, I guess we'll say. And, uh, you know, the Dyers group ended up, um, you know, finding my way to the, the Facebook Dyers page and, you know, you know, once you get in there, it just explodes. I remember seeing that page for the first time and I was just blown away i was like how is this even possible to do on a disc with with what i had in front of me and what i had i had done i was like how is that possible and um yeah i screwed up a ton more discs after that i you know i still have the box of, I, mean, I still i'm sure a box of discs upstairs that is just you know all the ones that we don't talk about all the ones that didn't make the Facebook page or the Instagram page, um, you know, there's plenty of those. And I'm glad I saved them because I think those are actually going to be, um, you know, we, we kind of mentioned I'm building a disc golf course here. But, uh, you know, those are all going to be donated to the disc golf course. Um, and anybody interested, you know, I'm going to try to get as many discs to them as possible so people could maybe go rent discs or whatever, however it's going to work. I'm not sure just yet. But uh, um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I started – you know, obviously kind of following the, um, you know, in the footsteps of the guys before me, when I first started, it was super hard to get any info. Um, you know, everybody was tight lipped. Um, and this wasn't that long ago, honestly. Um, you know, like I said, it was the pandemic. I died my first disc. So, um, yeah, everything, everybody's methods were super tight lipped. It was real hard to get any information out of anybody. Um, you know, it was kind of like, you got a little bit of information, but then, you know, you had to fill in the puzzle pieces yourself, you know, all the, uh, the gaps you kind of had to fill in. And, and that's where I just experimented a bunch. Um, you know, I saw, I really took a liking to Brian, um, from, uh, pipe dreamer. And, uh, we ended up, you know, starting a dialogue, uh, back then. Um, and, uh, you know, I worked with him a little bit and he kind of gave me some tips and I really just enjoyed doing the, the glue beds. Um, and from there, it was just kind of finding my own style with uh, with those guys, uh, you know, Matt uh, uh, from Beefy. You know, he was uh, he was an inspiration, um, you know, such a such a good dude. 
and uh, you know, seeing his work, you know, really, uh, really inspired a lot of mine. It kind of seemed like we were going back and back and forth, and, and just trying to outdo each other. And that probably wasn't true. That might have just been in my head. Um, but it really, you know, motivated and pushed me to uh, to really kind of hone in uh, my skills with that. But um, you know, I, I'm also one of those guys like I can't. I can't just do one thing. It's real hard for me to just do one thing. Like I get bored really, really fast. And, um, you know, I, I, it wasn't very, sh it wasn't very long after I started dying that I got the cricket, you know, the cricket machine. Cause I think I, I did one or two hand cut stencils and, uh, I was like, uh, uh, no, this is, uh, this is not the way to go. And, and, um, uh, I had to order one of those and, and that's really, you know, that's a game changer in anybody's, uh, you know, die game when uh, when you get one of those things, it really just opens up a lot of opportunities. And um, so, you know, I, I wanted to be my goal as a dyer is I wanted to be proficient in as many different styles as possible, um, you know. Just because that was where my interests were, but also, you know, I knew that at some point, if I was going to really get serious with this and start a business that, um, you know, I wanted to be able to offer any of my customers, whatever style they wanted. Um, you know, I didn't want to have to, you know, I, I hated if somebody asked me if I could do something and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Like that just drove me crazy. And, um, so yeah, that was my goal as a dyer is to just, uh, to, to, I, I haven't mastered anything, but to just to be as proficient as possible um, at, uh, um, at at every different style, and and we just we keep seeing new styles. So um, I haven't, uh, you know, we're not, I don't think we're going to reach the end of of any road here. Um, you know, it just keeps getting better and better and better um, uh, with with everybody's you know different styles and what they bring to the table. You say you're not proficient in something, but um, I think that's a lie. Uh, what, what would, what would you consider your signature style or method? Uh, I, that's obviously, I think the glue bed, you know, that the clear glue bed, um, I think I've been, uh, that's, that's what I'm most known for. I think, um, you know, the, uh, that, that it wasn't intentional, but like the, the, I guess the river of color running through, you know, really kind of became, I, I. I guess my, my signature look, um, it was pretty, it, uh, it was, I don't want to say it was really new, but it was, it was fairly unique. Um, just because, you know, I worked so much with it, trying to get these little thin strips of color, um, especially with the black, you know, I think that was, that's probably the number one question I got asked and still do get asked is how do I get those thin black lines? And, um, um, you know, that just took a lot of practice with, and, and then trying different glues and uh, with all the different blacks from uh, from the different companies, you know, I was finally able to kind of hone it in. Um, but that really kind of, I think, became my, my signature style was that, um, you know, whatever, you know, contrasting colors, whatever looked really good, whatever popped with each other um, is uh, kind of throwing that that stripe through there. And it looks so cool spinning like that's, the, you know, that. Yeah, to have that thing spinning on camera looked really, really cool. Absolutely. So what led you to that specific uh, style? Um, I, I would I would probably say. I would probably say looking at some of Beefy Beefy's dies, honestly, I think because she was doing some really cool stuff um, with uh, 
um, you know, with his colors and the way he was forming, um, you know, some of his path through, and it really interested me. And uh, I think that was kind of the original inspiration. Um, and then the, uh, you know, then the, the kind of the, the wood grain um, addition to that uh, kind of followed up. And, but I, yeah, I, I guess as far as where that came from, I would, uh, I would say that's kind of where, where it started. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, it's so funny. I've done thousands of discs at this point and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like when I could probably go in my Google photos and cause every picture I've taken of, or at least every picture of the discs I've taken pictures of are in there. And, and it's really cool cause you can go back and see the timeline and, uh, and really kind of see all the work and, and, uh, and where it came from. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's where it originally kind of, kind of, that's where I got the idea from and, and really liked. And then, but I wanted to do something different. Like, obviously like you don't want to copy somebody, you know, like verbatim, like, you know, in, uh, in steel, but I wanted to, I wanted to have kind of like the way he was really making his textures. I really liked that, but I wanted to have something that was my own. And, and, uh, and that's where that, that kind of stripe through the middle came from. If you have to give one tip of how to reproduce that, because I know I know you've explained it before and you get the question mm -hmm. a lot, but if you had to just give one tip right now to get that result, what would that be? Um, the best tip to get that result is uh, I, it's hard to have one. There's a few different things that really need to go into it. And one onyx from ProChem, just onyx uh, mixed with acetone. Um, all the other blacks I've found disperse a ton, right? As soon as you drip it, they, it really starts to spread quickly. Um, and then depending on, um, you know, the glue, like they have the, I think I still have some jugs down here. It's like the Oriental Trading Company, uh, I think was the name of it, that glue, but it's super bad, right? Like, I don't know what their, the, uh, the chemical makeup of that is, but as soon as you drip colors on there, it immediately like spreads and disappears. It's really weird. But um, so Onyx Black, straight acetone, and then um, uh, Discount School Supply. Um, that's the the clear glue I use. I've just, I found that it was the best for the price, you know, um, you know, back during the, the pandemic and maybe 2021, you know, you could get them for five bucks a gallon. And, um, you know, I was ordering 10, 20 gallons at a time and they deliver, it was free shipping, like 20 gallons nice. of glue for five bucks a piece. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately they caught wind of it and, uh, like tripled the price, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's another key. So, um, you know, that's a good glue. Elmer's, you know, um, is a good glue. I think the, the Michaels works. I don't know if I like it as much, but the discount school supply, um, you know, really works well, but those are kind of the two tips. Like if you want that result, if you don't want, want it to spread out, um, to get those thin black lines. Um, and then, you know, the last thing is, uh, you know, where you're, where you're dripping your colors, uh, dropping your colors on either side. Um, you know, obviously too close to the line, it's going to overtake, uh, too far away from the line. You know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have that clear, that clear gap. Um, and then, I think last is the, uh, you know, I use, and we, we sell them on the website and I, I honestly, I don't even know why I, why or how I came across it, but it's this big syringe, um, you know, and, uh, 
I, I, you know, it might have just been like one of those things where like I don't have anything here right now. I was looking for a pen to, uh, you know, to take apart or, uh, you know, I didn't have any, I don't keep straws around the house. So, uh, so I was looking for something to, uh, to manipulate the bed with air. And for whatever reason, I think maybe I saw that and popped the, uh, the plunger out and started using that. And I've used it ever since. Um, you know, I just find that it, um, it allows you to, you know, with less effort, to put a stream of air down on the glue. You know, when you blow through a straw and it's the same size on both ends, you, you end up you know, like hyperventilating because you're, you're blowing the, all the air out of your lungs. But if you do that, it, uh, yeah, with much less effort, you can, uh, you can put a better stream of air on there and it's a lot more controllable. Well, thanks for sharing those tips. I remember I watched a few videos of yours when I started, um, the glue bed stuff. Um, why do you like glue beds? Um, I think, you know, I, I think it was one of those things that um, when I first started, I was doing the clear glue beds and I was doing the, um, the, you know, some lotion beds. And it was more of a necessity thing. You know, when I started to think about, you know, how if I really want to do this and I really want to uh, make a business, you know, you have to think about you know, your, your material costs and all that. And it kind of seemed like with everything, you know, that was the cheapest way. Cause I can get out of, out of a gallon of glue, I get about 10 to 12 beds, um, out of a gallon of glue, um, depending on, you know, it also depends on what kind of, uh, your disc you're putting in there. If you're putting in a domey driver or a flat putter, you know, you can use significantly, significantly less glue with a, with, you know, like a flat putter. But that's kind of that was like the thought process. And and when you mix up, you know, you get a gallon of acetone and, you know, you mix all your bottles, um, you know, that lasts a while. Those things last a while. So you're using you were using very little product to get a really bright, vivid color, better colors than I was getting with. Uh, uh, at least I thought like better colors than I was getting with lotion at the time. Um, so it was kind of the best bang for your buck. And um uh, I kind of took, yeah, I just kind of took to that one first because it, it really, like with the acetone and uh, um, the the glue there, like it really, you really got some bright, vibrant colors. Um, and uh, the, it just kind of stuck with that. And then once I, you know, I got the hang of that and, and I started, um, you know, to kind of sell, um, to sell more because it really was, it was a slow process. You know, I still worked at the brewery for a long time. So it was really slow. You know, I kind of, you know, I would sell a disc or two here and there, and then, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, progressed, you know, sell maybe five in a week, um, and then, you know, 10 in a week, and uh, slowly but surely was able to uh, to, to uh, kind of make it a full-time gig. But uh, yeah, the, the glue bed was just more of a cost, uh, you know, cost to turnout kind of thing, you know, and I, and, and I was able to, uh, you know, to finish a day, you know, I could do a couple of them, let them sit overnight and, uh, and, you know, it's, you know, they're easy to clean up and, and wash and, and, uh, and I was really getting good results with that. So that's kind of where that came from or at least why so, I stuck with that. So you mentioned you get bored easily and like to try all different methods. What all methods have you tried so far? Um, 
God, pretty much everything you can think of, you know, shaving cream. I, uh, that was one of the first things I'd ever tried was a shaving, you know, the shaving cream. It's that's, you know, if anybody's getting into dying, that's one of the easiest ways, the cheapest ways. Um, if you just want to play around and get some, you know, cool looking results, um, you know, a little bit of masking and, um, uh, and, you know, a, uh, a shaving cream bed, you can really get some cool results. But, uh, you know, I've done that uh lotion was a big part when i was first starting off i really wanted to um figure out i think it was uh, adam downs that does the the flames on the rim of you know coming in uh, i really wanted to figure that out so uh, uh you know that was you know when i started getting into lotion and kind of doing those style uh that style uh you know the the any kind of the the masking or the uh, sorry the uh, the vinyl stuff when i got the cricket cutter the see hot dipping you know obviously if you're doing the the vinyl you know hot dipping comes into play so then you gotta you gotta learn that and uh, and bring that in and i think um the last the last one that i really got into like i tried cells a couple of times um um uh b-dub uh, was the first guy i saw doing cells um and uh, I was actually lucky enough to um, to meet up with him at uh, DDO for the first Dye Academy that we did back in I think I guess it was 2021. And he was there, and I saw some some you know how he was doing the cell stuff. And I, I tried it a little bit. That one I wasn't as comfortable with for a while. And I was I was kind of busy doing other stuff. Um, so uh, so I didn't I didn't really get into that one um, for for a while. And then finally, hand painting, uh, I guess, uh, lotion and hand painting. Uh, you know, I've, I've done those as well. Um, yeah, I think the, you know, the reason I tried the hand painting first was because I, I'm not, I'm not very patient. That's another thing too. I'm not super patient. So, you know, when I saw like Keith will take three weeks or a month to do a disc and you know, for one disc, I was like, uh, hell no. I no. That's I just I can't do it. So um I think one of the first ones I did was this um it's like this koi fish. And um I wanted to get it done in a day. You know, I was like, I don't wanna I don't wanna hand paint with this lotion and then let it sit overnight and then do another color, let it sit overnight, then remask, then this and that, you know. Um I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna see if I can just paint this thing in by hand. Why not? And um it it turns out it's not it's it's not super difficult you know i i, I know how to you know, i i've worked with paint brushes obviously plenty so uh so that wasn't an issue it was more just uh you know figuring out how the medium worked and and how it went on um and then how to uh how to mess with the you know if you make it, any mistakes um you know figuring that out uh, so that's kind of how I came across the hand painting was just really just lack of patience <laughs> and wanting to get stuff, <laughs> wanting to get stuff done. And, uh, God, what other, what other styles are there? Like I, uh, I'm trying to think this, you know, lotion, yeah, lotion, clear glue. You could do white glue, um, hand painting cells, um, you know, hot dips. I think those are kind of your primary, I guess, styles, I guess. And then, uh, and then it's just figuring out the little techniques, um, within those, those, uh, those styles. So 
you're pretty well versed. Is there anything that you would like to explore, develop, or learn in your dying journey? Um, you know, I'm 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 well on my way. I got a pretty good a pretty good hold on 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 the different styles and what I'm doing. I think it's just, you know, refining stuff. The one the one style that I don't do super often that I'd like to get better at is, you know, the way Keith does stuff with the with the lotion and and a lot of guys are, are doing this lotion painting uh, i just don't do a lot of it um you know mine you know, i i do mine with a heat gun too um so uh kind of kind of getting a little bit better at that for sure um and I, honestly the biggest part of my die game i need to improve is patience uh that re that really it really comes down to that is uh is you know i you know taking taking a little bit more time and, and really that just comes down to you know how many orders i have do i need to get stuff on the shelf and in the store am i going to a uh, a tournament to uh, to vend at a tournament you know kind of you know am i doing stuff for the sponsored players or for otb you know whatever um really kind of plays an effect on what styles i'm doing because you know if i need to churn out 100 discs in a week for a retailer then you know obviously lotion painting is not going to be in the cards for uh, for that batch of discs so um you know that that really has a you know a factor on it but but yeah i think that's probably the biggest my yeah the biggest thing i i'd want to improve on is my patience more for my uh my my uh the pieces that i can take time on um is slowing down and um and and really because i you know i i love doing like i love doing pieces like keith does with the, you know the the style and the um the complexity i i absolutely love it and i've done pieces like that but um it's so hard because you're like all right i can spend four five six days on this one disc that at the most i think the most i've ever sold a disc for is i think maybe two hundred dollars 150 to two hundred dollars um, that's the dra I actually have a YouTube video, the dragon disc. Um, I did a, a YouTube video on that one. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's four solid days of work, you know? Um, so, uh, it's just tough. Like in those four days I could do 80 glue beds and have those, you know, turned out. So, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, if you want to make money, don't get into the stenciling and detailing. I mean, it's fun and enjoyable, but it's hard to make a profit on those. It is. It like it's nice if you know if they're like like right now it's kind of the off season, so I have I wouldn't say downtime, but like I'm not doing retailer stuff. Um, currently, at least I don't have any orders right now for retailers or anything. Like everything's kind of real slow right now, so it's really nice because now is a good time or has been a good time. To take a lot of commissions, you know, and, and take ideas from people and um, and then even just do stuff that I want to do. You know, that's kind of, um, you know, it's easy to lose that. So, uh, you know, when you're when you're busy doing stuff for everybody else, it's kind of it's very easy to lose. Uh, it, it, the last thing I want it to feel like is is a job. You know, I like that it is my job and uh, but I don't want it to feel um, you know, I, and it, and it happens all the time, you know, like it, it happens with everything you do in life. There's just days that you wake up and you don't want to do it. Um, and that's fine, but, uh, I don't want to resent dying discs. You know, I, I, uh, I love it too much. And, uh, 
so it's nice like right now to have some downtime and to really be able to play with um you know new different styles experiment stuff you know maybe have some new styles that you know you can bring out um for you know for the next season but uh yeah i, I it's it's tough to make money on that like you know unless what i'd like to do is i'll i'll have i'll wait until i get about three four or five commissions and then uh, and kind of kind of work it all then um you know it's nice when people send me like eight discs and they just want glue beds and uh you know i can i can knock those out in a you know a couple of days and uh, and get those back out but yeah it is it's definitely tough you know like um ryan um smiles with rye guy like it is like his work is just incredible number one and uh I know that's one of the things like when I see him working on on those discs and the uh, the quality that comes out I'm like dude how do you not charge $400 for a disc like <laughs> like I see how you're doing it like I've watched you know uh, I met him at uh, at the second die academy we did at DDO and uh was was lucky enough to work with him there and uh, to see him do it in person it's incredible the discs are at, and his art is absolutely incredible um it's like yeah dude you got to charge you know hundreds of dollars for a day like it's worth it the work like i've seen you know uh commercial art you know like and commercial art i just mean like like canvas and paint kind of thing and like acrylic pouring and stuff like you know three four five a thousand dollars five you know ten thousand dollars for these paintings that don't take as much time as ryan takes on on one disc or keith or, or any of these guys um but uh Anyway, I I, I uh, went off on a tangent there, but yeah, it's crazy how much time and effort uh, dyers put in a disc, and I feel like majority of the dyers are really underpricing their disc for the effort and time that they put into it. Um, it it's kind of a bummer because people most likely want to throw the disc so they don't want to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on a disc that they'll just throw in the water. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I think people should be charging more for that. And I feel like creative uh, stuff in general is pretty underpriced um, just to kind of compete with the market. People just lower their stuff, which is not the greatest thing. Mm -hmm. Um but. Yeah, it's tough because it's it's not a huge sport yet. It's it's really grown, obviously, but it's it's such a um, an, uh, um, the entry the entry level to the sport is so um, like easy, I guess, and accessible to people. So you have people of all you know. It's not like you know a sport like you know ball golf where you know it's primarily you know people are well off and it's been around for, for so long and, and you could probably charge a little bit more, you know, that's kind of one of the toughest things. Um, you know, I think as I was growing, my business was, you know, where's the price point at, you know, um, you know, materials in versus uh, materials and time in versus the product out. Um, cause my whole goal through this was like, I want people to get something they're just absolutely stoked about that they don't have to break the bank. Uh, you know, to get, and they're not going to, you know, cause I want every disc that I put out. I, I honestly, I want people to throw it. I want them to go show it off to their buddies. I want them, you know, to get that joy out of it. Um, so, you know, I really try to, um, uh, you know, really put out, the, I want to put out the best quality product, um, uh, for, 
for the, you know, for a fair price, you know, uh, you know, for, cause for the longest time, and I still do now, honestly, for the longest time, I bought everything retail, like every disc that you saw me put out, I bought at retail, I paid taxes on, I paid shipping on, you know, so by the time I get the disc, I'm, I could be anywhere from 17 to $30 into the disc. And then, you know, if I market at 50 bucks, people are like, ah, it's too expensive. And it's like, I get it, but it's like, it's also, you know, that took, that took time and effort. And if you, you know, I, you know, in the end of the day, after shipping and all that, what am I making? 15 bucks, you know, 20 bucks on, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if I, if I really get a good margin, you know, maybe 20 bucks. Yeah. Disc golfers are cheap bastards in general, and you're basically <laughs> working for peanuts. Um, if you're willing to share, what do you typically price your discs at? Um, everything on the site right now, um, as far as my glue beds, are I think thirty-five. Um, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been able to in. It's, it's real slow right now. And then a lot of the stuff I had, you know, I was kind of just playing with, or they were off colors that I wasn't sure about. Um, and they're still all good discs. They're not the most desirable, I think molds. Um, so I have a lot of them priced at a, a pretty decent, uh, a pretty decent price point. Um, but I, I try to, I try to stick to around 40 bucks. You know, it really depends if it's a tour series and, you know, I had to pay, you know, I got to pay 25 bucks for the disc and then I got to pay $5 for shipping, you know, and I'm 30, I'm 30 bucks in, you know, I got to charge a little bit more than that. Like glow plastic is the same way. Like I, you know, I just, I have to charge a little bit more. Um, and, uh, it's not that I want to turn anybody away, but, uh, you know, like I, I don't remember who I heard it from, but it was one of those, you know, sayings is like, you, you know, you want repeat customers. It's like, don't lower, it was like, don't lower your game to be able to sell to anybody, like find the customers that like your work and then just keep getting those, look for those kind of customers. Um, you know, I, I, you know, it, and most of my customers, you know, they, they, they're fine paying the prices that, uh, you know, that, that I give them, you know, I try to be super fair. Um, I actually just did a, a Patreon, um, video and it's kind of about taking commissions and, uh, the whole process of taking a commission and um you know in in the points of communication between you and the, and the customer you know I'm, I'm always super uh transparent like hey this is going to take this it's going to take a lot of vinyl work it's going to take design work you know because i might it might take me four hours to just do the design work um you know on the disc just to get the cut file and that's before we even really get to the dive process um you know so it all comes into play with the price um, but yeah, I try to keep it fair. You know, 40 bucks is kind of my, you know, I, I feel like at that price, um, it's not, you're not breaking the bank. If you do happen to lose it or throw it in the water or, or, or whatever, um, you know, you're not heartbroken. You didn't just throw a 2015 sexton into the, you know, into the water. Like you're, you're, it's, it's not a, a huge loss, um, to throw that in. And then, you know, from there, essentially the price goes up from there. And that's my live events. That's the easiest way to do it too. That's like forty bucks. If you go, hey, give me two twenties. Uh, I don't have to deal with change, and uh, that's been the you know the best thing, especially for selling live. Um, you know, forty bucks. And I I take a loss on some discs. 
um, and and not so much on others with that price point, you know. But it's super easy um, as far as you know when you're when you're you know at somewhere like Mabel Hill and you're seeing hundreds of people a day uh, coming by the booth, you know. I, that's just a it's a nice nice price point. There you go. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like it's a cat and mouse game of you lower your price to get more customers to do more discs to make money or you raise the price and have less customers to, you know, kind of get the same um, profit. But yeah, people should charge more for the discs. And <laughs> I, the people I, that I really, definitely think so. Yeah. The people that like your work will buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the toughest thing is, I think. And I don't have a, you know, before I go into this, like I don't have a problem with any retailers that I work with. I think that's kind of that's kind of the, the tougher one um, because you kind of have to look at the the history of dyeing and the and the guys that were uh, were doing dyes, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, and what they were, you know, what they're charging, you know, retailers and stuff to do these, you know, they, you know, they might only charge, you know, a, a couple of bucks per disc. Um, you know, that's, that's, you know, another tough one too, you know, is, uh, you know, working with retailers, if, you know, if any of you guys are working with retailers, you know, make sure you make sure to stand your ground on a, on a price. I think, you know, the, you know, the retailers, you know, we, that's one of the things I stress when I work with a retailer I'm like, look, I want us both to do good here. You know, you know, I want you to make some money, you know, and, and, and me to make some money. Um, you know, I think that's where that's where I take. I don't take. It's not a loss technically, but um, you know, if I do a batch for, you know, a big retailer, you know, I'm I'm maybe you know my bottom line is ten bucks a disc. Um, you know, so if I can, you know, if they send me you know sixty discs or or whatever, you know, I I try to keep that bottom line around ten bucks because I want them. I want them to be able to make money in, in the end, and uh, and I make a little bit of money, um, and uh, it works pretty well. So I've have no experience working with retailers. What, like, how is it working with retailers, and what kind of terms do you have between you and the retailer? Um, so far, it's been super easy. Like, um, I've worked. I, I guess the biggest retailer I've worked with is OTB. Um, you know, they'll send me a batch of 60, you know, to a hundred discs. Um, and you know, that's, that's super easy. They don't give me any kind of, uh, you know, it's not like, Hey, get these done in a week. You know, everybody's, I think everybody, everybody I've worked with so far, at least is pretty, um, um, uh, accepted. Like, you know, they know the artistic process takes a little bit, you know, you can't force art. Um, so, uh, so they, you know, they've all been, uh, very accommodating of, uh, you know, the, the, the pace that it takes to, to do this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy, like, I like the retail side of things, um, just because it, it allows me to experiment. Honestly, I think that's probably how, um, I was able to learn so quick, um, was, you know, when they, you know, when they send me 60 bucks and they're like, you can do whatever you want. Uh, or when they send me 60 discs and they're like, do, you know, do whatever you want. Like it just allowed, like when you're doing 20, 30 discs a day, you know, beds a day, like it's, you can, you, you have the time to experiment. You know, it's tough when you're just doing like one and you're like, oh man, I really don't want to mess this one up. But when I have like 
20, you know, there's going to be some that aren't as good or I'm not as happy with. Um, but then also, you know, I get, you know, out of those 20 or 30 discs that I did when I clean them off, there'll be like five or six that I'm like, holy shit, this. All right. So and then that kind of gets the ball rolling. All right. I want more of that. You know, how do I elaborate on that on, on that style? How do I, uh, you know, can I do this style with different colors or this pattern? You know, how do I? Uh, so I, I think I think I really was able to um, uh, to uh, progress rapidly, um, you know, because I was fortunate enough to, to be able to work with retailers and uh, and send them stuff. And um, speaking on the commission topic, has there been any unique or uh, memorable commissions requests that you have gotten? Um, yeah, I think the one... At least the one that comes to mind. There's been there's been several, but the one that really comes to mind um, was somebody sent me um, their friend's father had just passed away, and they played disc golf a lot. Uh, they always played disc golf with each other, and they sent me. Um, they wanted a picture. It was a silhouette of his dad um, hitting a baseball, so it was just him holding uh, a bat and swinging, um, and they just wanted that silhouette uh on a disc and i think that one that one that one was the first one that comes to mind um i know i've done more if i look through the pictures i could definitely because I've, I've had a number of people i know that they've sent me messages with like similar kind of stories where either somebody's passed away or um you know i've done a number of uh marriage discs uh, i actually did um when i did Right before I did the OTB open discs, you know, and honestly, look, let's get it out there now on on uh, on a podcast. I'm solely responsible for Simon joining MVP. Let's let's admit it. I died. <laughs> I died the trophy disc at OTB open. He held that thing and he fell in love with it. And it was that's when he knew he was moving to MVP. All right. Um, so I just want to put that out there. Uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But anyway, right. So right before that. I did a, a marriage proposal disc. Like I've done like, like wedding discs and, uh, and stuff like that. But this was the first one, which is really cool. It was a wedding proposal disc. And, um, uh, I, I had the video. Uh, I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but I think they went and snuck it in the basket and, uh, and she, she got it to ask her, uh, her boyfriend to marry her. And, uh, so that one, that one was really cool. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't seen anything like that before, but, uh, yeah, they ran and like switched it out of the basket, I think. And, uh, and did the whole proposal. That is awesome. Um, and it's cool that you could be part of basically their life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for, uh, letting Simon join MVP. Cause that was a great move. Um, <laughs> and great. <laughs> Great die yeah. on those those discs, anyways. Uh, they looked killer. I I really enjoyed doing. I thought they. I mean, they came out really well. Like I hate that um, that you know MVP and OTB took such a, a hit with that. Um, you know, yes, it wasn't like a big you know wooden trophy or a, 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 um, a uh, you know a big I don't know thing. Um, but it was it was fun. It was unique, um, and uh, it was it was really cool that uh, I, mean, I was lucky to get involved with that. 
Um, and really cool to go out there to California and, uh, you know, hang out with Keith and, and, uh, and go and, and meet some of the pros and see Luke and, and, uh, and check that out. But, uh, yeah, they, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. They came out great. Um, and, uh, I think that was, that was just the fuss that they, you know, they thought the trophy should be, I, I don't disagree. Like, I think, you know, how, you know, these guys get discs all the time, you know, maybe the amateurs, maybe they get the die discs as a trophy and, uh, and, and you, you know, you give the, the MBO champion something a little bit bigger, but I think it's really cool that, that, you know, I think it was 40, I think it was like 43 or 44 discs I did for every division. Um, and, um, yeah, I, and we had to have, that was like a dead, that one actually was like a deadline um kind of thing they had to have them all done so i did i went and bought two um two of the little hot trays for hot dipping i bought two of those and had my stove excuse me and had my stove going so i was hot dipping three discs at a time i printed them all out i had them all um i centered and applied the vinyl once i got all those done then i went and weeded every single one got them all weeded then did all the hot dipping assembly line hot dipping and then uh and then went in and did the you know the glue bed behind it and i think i think i did those in four days i think it took about four days to uh to get all those done uh just because they had to uh they had to be done by a certain time to pound out that many discs for that style that's pretty good in four days damn it wasn't bad. That one, I really, I like. I essentially cleared my schedule and I was like, "All right, this is you know," because I, I it was important, you know. Obviously, a big major tournament, and we had gotten asked to uh, to do them. So, uh, so yeah, Keith actually they sent the um, they sent the what they wanted on the disc to Keith. Keith kind of messed around in silhouette and got everything set up, and then he just sent me the files and and uh, and I knocked everything out from there. I think they were an amazing trophies because it's the Daddy Mac dies. His blood, sweat, and tears were put into that, <laughs> and a lot of effort. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, great job on that. Um, the next question I have is: What inspires your creations, and to actually keep disc dying? Um. You know, a few things I get, I get inspiration from all over, like, you know, the, um, so like the, the wood resin style dies that I do, you know, I, um, I actually, so like I got this case for my phone. I don't know if my camera will, yeah, but it's one of those, they're, um, uh, carved, uh, carved.com is the name of this company and they do these wood resin, um, phone cases. And I, I got the phone case. I was like, man, I, I bet I could get that on a disc somehow. So uh, I started messing around and I already kind of had that river style anyway. And I was like, this can't be too hard. So, you know, I, it, then it was just experimenting with the right colors and then and trying to get the, uh, the wood grain in there. So, like, you know, that's where that came from, the back of my phone. Um, I got that. Uh, the other inspirations is mainly, you know, whether it's it could be it could be other artists and just seeing, you know, new colors put together in a way I haven't seen before. Um, a lot of my inspiration comes from the accidents, you know, like just kind of experiment. You know, I might experiment, you know, when I have those big batches of discs, uh, discs, discs to do, um, you know, I, like I said, I'll get a few that are just like, 
that I'm like, yes, that's what, you know, I love that the way that came out. And then I just kind of explore on that style or those colors um, or, you know, whatever process I did to get that result. You know, I kind of play with that. And uh, and then that, you know, that kind of just grows from there. So what keeps you motivated to keep disc dying? It's just, uh, I, like I said, I enjoy doing it. It's, uh, it's a way for me to be a part of disc golf. You know, like I said, I never would have thought uh, in a million years that disc golf would be, you know, my profession. Um, or just being a part of disc golf as a profession, you know, obviously not being a player, but, um, uh, or like a, like a, you know, touring, touring player. Um, and then like, j I'm so fortunate and so grateful that I'm able to do this. That's one of the major things that keeps me going. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I was able to, uh, you know, I, I was able to take a step back you know, during the pandemic and you know just kind of evaluate everything and um and able to turn something i really enjoyed into uh into a profession and uh and a job and um you know i think just just try, you know just keeping that in mind and and knowing that I, I i could be in another place um you know i could uh i could be in a job that i hate or or doing something that I just really don't enjoy. So I think just keeping that in mind, uh, you know, helps keep me going. And I have bills to pay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Paying those bills is a big motivator to make that is, money. That is a big motivator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like your humbleness on it because not everybody can make a career out of this. And, uh, you know, you're just in the right place at the right time and, and things happen. That's awesome. Mm. Um, what in your mind is the easiest part of disc dying and the hardest part of disc dying? Um, the easiest part of disc dying to me is the results. I think, I think results day is the easiest part. Like I love waking up in the morning when I know I have a fresh batch of 20 or 30 discs like to clean. Um, I think that's the easiest part. It really like sets the tone for the day and, and, uh, it, it doesn't even have to be that many discs. Like just whenever I get to have a, a reveal, um, you know, it's like, you know, everybody says it, but it's like, you know, a kid on Christmas, you know, like you get to wake up and, and see what you got. So I think that's the easiest part of, of this dying for sure. Um, you know, the hardest part is, is, um, is, you know, honestly, the hardest part is, is paying the bills with it. You know, that's, uh, you know, to be able to balance everything out because, you know, it's one of those things like I've, I've told a number of people that have asked, like followers don't mean doesn't mean dollars, you know, like it, it's, um, you know, it gets your name out there. But, um, you know, you still got to put in the work and it's not like because even I've gotten uh, several times I've gotten, you know, complacent and I'm like, oh, man, like I can just pump these out and people will buy them. And, um, like even like the last, you know, uh, this, you know, the last few months have been like super, super slow. Um, so it's, um, there's a, there's a, you know, a balancing act. And I think the hardest part about it all is, um, being right. Cause I do, you know, obviously daddy Mac dies and my discs and my YouTube and my Patreon and my Instagram um, but then I'm doing distying.com, our, uh, social media and, um, and our, um, our advertising, uh, I deal with all the vendors. I do all the, sh the shipping and orders I do, you know, um, 
you know, keeping track of, of inventory, um, finding new, uh, you know, new things to put on the website, working with new sponsors, um, you know, so being a part of that and like these videos, like, you know, uh, you know, obviously doing this podcast, like it does, it's not, it's not a point and shoot and you're done kind of thing. Like it, it, the, the editing that goes into it, you know, all the different takes, uh, when it goes, you know, it's tough, you know, cause I, I hate not being able to put new content out. I think that's you know one of the hardest parts as well. Is like I w- I want to be able to put like a new YouTube video out every other day or every week, um, and and unfortunately with with all the things that um, you know that I'm involved in and doing, it, it makes it super hard um, you know to be able to do that and uh, and get that new new uh, you know new videos and new content because it takes days. You know, a lot of people probably don't know what it takes. I, I might even do a video. That's a great idea. I might even do a video just on the whole process on what it takes to do a, uh, you know, a YouTube video and to do it at least the way I feel is correct. You know, you can obviously check out my YouTube channel and look at the first video I did. And then, you know, the setup that, uh, that I got now and, and, uh, and, and how far I've come and what you got to put into it and the editing, you know, the, uh, you know, that, that takes forever. Just the editing alone, you know, could take days really to get uh, to get all the the edits put together, to go back and reshoot, um, and all that. But uh, I think just trying to fit all that in to be you know to be the your own boss, to be the worker, to to, to be shipping and receiving and management and and uh, and all that. I think uh, you know that's the the hardest part. I need an I I need an assistant. I think it's <laughs> I I need somebody to just like schedule everything. Like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. This is what you need to do today. So. So being a disc dyer is more than just dying disc. It's it's basically running a business. And um, I think it was Emily from uh, Disc by Emily is your content creator is basically what you are is you have to create this com- content to advertise yourself and showcase yourself for mm-hmm. the business side of things. So um, it, it's, again, just more than dying disc. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Which is great. You can do anything in life. Like I think that's the one thing I found out about all this is like you can do anything you want to. Like we're in a such a a cool, I guess, a cool time right now because if if you want to, you can do what you want. You know, you don't have to just drop everything and quit your job and, and go do. It. But but if you slowly, you know, work something your hobby in and you just slowly stay at it, stay at it. You can do anything. Um, you know, you can you know, what, whatever it is, like we live in this time where you can build your own business. And, uh, and I absolutely, I, I love it. I love seeing, you know, uh, you know, I, I really, you know, the, the pandemic did that. It really did. It really stopped a lot of people. And it was like, dude, I'm not happy where I'm at right now. And, uh, with social media and all that, like, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, we're really lucky to be in this time where you can, uh, you can follow your passion and do what you want. I totally agree with that. And, um, that's kind of how the Dyers Guild came about is, um, I just wanted to experiment and try something and, uh, bring all the knowledge from all the disc dyers into one spot. And, um, the key to success, I think is consistency and keep doing it yep. and don't get yep. frustrated. Uh, it, it it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of time and effort yep. and you will get discouraged in the beginning. Um, so the, the, the tip that I can give is just to keep at it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So how in your mind 
have you found success with what you're doing? Is there anything or tips or tricks that you could give someone to follow? Um, or do you think it was just pure luck? Uh, well, I, I'd say like timing had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I'm a hundred percent, um, uh, or trying to think the best way to word it. Like, I completely understand that 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 you know the time uh, timing had a lot to do with being successful at this. When everybody kind of stopped working and disc golf had the boom, I was just in the right place at the right time with what I was doing with the dies um, to uh, to start because it was really just making a little money on the side um, and uh, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, so I yeah I think timing was was one thing um i also uh i also loved to do it it was it was part of disc golf it allowed me to play disc golf and it to just to be a bigger part of my life so it made it very easy to uh you know if if you're not passionate about something and you don't love it that's what keeps you going when you feel like shit or you don't you know when you don't want to get up and you don't want to work you you know you you know when you when you have an order of 60 discs to do like it's like that, you know, motivation isn't always there. Um, so liking what you do is, uh, is extremely important. So, you know, whether that's disc dying or, or woodworking or, you know, if it's fitness or, you know, nutrition or whatever it is, like, like you have to, you really have to be passionate about it. it can't be, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, well, I kind of like to do this. You know, I, you know, I like going to the gym, but I'm not going to be a fitness instructor and, and I'm not going to be successful at it because like, it's not my, it's not my passion. I don't wake up every day, uh, you know, going, oh man, I, I, I want to get in the gym. You know, I got to go lift weights and tell everybody about it. Um, you know, I think, I think that's a, a huge factor is, uh, is, is really, being passionate about it and and it's not hard to figure out like if it's just something like i knew i was i knew um i i think i knew i'd be able to do this because it didn't feel like work and it was what i was going to be doing anyway like i never expected any of this to be a business uh i was just doing this on the side to have fun and uh it just grew from there uh so i i think that's that's one nice way to tell you know if if something is is a is a hobby or or has the um um the capacity to to grow is is you know ask yourself would i be doing this anyway like if you if you didn't have to go to work what would you be doing right if you didn't have to go do this or you know whatever like what would you be doing you know to uh, to enjoy yourself or uh, um you know to i i think i feel like everybody needs a creative outlet um, you know, I, it, it seems like it's a big issue with just our society today with going to these nine to fives and, and mental illness and all this, like we, nobody has the time to, to really have this creative outlet and, uh, and, and, you know, to go back, like, I think we're really lucky to be in this time where we're starting to kind of come around where that's applauded and it's, um, uh, there's a little bit more time it's accessible you know, to, you know, think about it 10 years ago or you couldn't just like, Hey, we're just going to start a TV show, you know? And now if, you know, with a thousand bucks, you know, the right equipment, you can, you know, 
you got this podcast, like you can really, you know, really do some work and, and follow your, uh, your passion. And I think it's really important that you have that creative outlet, um, you know, because if, if you don't have that, if you can't express yourself the way you want, um, it's re- it's going to build up. And I think it really has uh, has negative side effects. Those are some very wise words, and I could not agree more with everything you said. Um, and you put it in <clears throat> good terms as well. Um, and I, in my eye, I consider you successful. How do you deal with all this fame? Cause I think almost every, (laughs) almost every guest that has been on this podcast has mentioned your name. If someone dies a disc, I'm pretty sure they know, Oh, daddy Mac dies. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it it's odd. Um, I it's very funny. My 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 best friend uh, Cassie from the beginning, um, she kept saying, and by no means do I think I'm famous at all. Um, but from the beginning, she's like, "You're gonna be famous." I was like, "Shut the hell up!" Like I'm not like I'm not. This isn't gonna this isn't gonna be anything. It's not gonna amount to anything. And uh, it's it is a, a surreal feeling. Like I it, I think. The first DDO was the first time anything happened where I got that feeling, and I had like you know four guys walk by, and if you, if you if you haven't gone to DDO and had the experience, it's such a cool event because this whole town just turns into like Disc Golf Central, um, and the courses and everything. It really is a great time. If you get the chance to go to Emporia, uh, I highly recommend it. But uh, we are outside the uh, the Art Center. And uh, a group of guys came up and uh, and I got pointed out as Daddy Mac. And uh, it was very, very odd, very strange um, to have people recognize you. And uh, and since then, it's happened a few times. And I, I think the most important thing is just to keep a, a, a level head. You know, I try I, I try to I beat myself up constantly mentally just to make sure that uh <laughs> That, uh, you know, I, uh, I stay humble and, and, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's cool. I, you know, I, I, I obviously enjoy it. It feels great. Like why, why wouldn't it feel great to, uh, to be, you know, recognized for something that you're passionate about? Uh, so yeah, like I, I, I definitely get a great feeling, you know, everybody likes to feel good and, 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 uh, you know, when you get recognized for something like that, yeah, it, uh, it definitely, uh, it definitely, it's going to make my day better no matter, you know, no matter what. Yes. Well, um, all the fame hasn't gone to your head yet. You seem very humble and honest. So keep up with that. Um, how did you meet up with Keith Lempa and help out with the discdying.com stuff? Um, okay. So I actually thought about this the other day cause I, I, I figured you might ask that about Keith and I, uh, our relationship. So, um, uh, a guy, um, Zach from Zach's customs. I don't know if you're familiar with, if you've seen or heard of Zach's customs. Yep. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely pulling back the curtain here. Uh, so people know, but he started a chat group. Um, and that it was maybe, I think it started with maybe four to six of us, right? It was, uh, Michael O'Hearn. Um, Brian Eckert, uh, Keith, uh, 
myself, Zach, um, Mike, and I think the other Zach. I, I don't remember offhand who, like, like you know, the original little group. But essentially, we had this little Facebook Messenger uh, chat room, and uh, and we just. You know, like like any group chat, you know, it was a bunch of shit talking and and us, you know, showing off what new style. It was really kind of like you know any sport there, and you do if you interview any famous artist or basketball, you know, athlete or whatever, they always have that one part where they're like, we just had this group and we fed off of each other, and you know, that's essentially what happened, right? Like we had this diners group, and every night, you know, it was just. Uh, you know, we were coming up with new ideas and new styles and showing off what we'd done the day before. And uh, and that grew and grew. But uh, Keys was uh, originally, um, you know, one of the members in there. So I think that's how I think we had maybe message, messaged each other once or twice. I had maybe asked him a question or two. But like once we were all in that group, I think that's kind of how it really uh, came about. And then, um, you know, from there. Once I kind of like once I kind of knew like I wanted to uh, to really, um, you know, grow this thing and really turn it into a business. The one of the biggest hurdles that uh, that anybody I think in the dying game faced then was where to sell discs and where to buy supplies. So I, you know, I knew Keith already had the domain discdying.com because he kind of had this uh, this idea and had it and, and had this, uh, you know, he wanted to have this one spot for artists to kind of show off their work and, and do this stuff. So I, at the at the time, you know, I'm selling across, uh, you know, Reddit, uh, Instagram, and then you know, God, the I mean, there's hundreds of Facebook pages, right? And uh, just selling across all those pages, uh, trying to keep track of all the messages um, and uh, who wants what, when, and where, and the emails and all that. It's just a nightmare. And, you know, I called him as like, you know, why, why don't we like, let's make one spot, right? Like I need one spot to sell these discs. Like I'm so tired of post, you know, making like half of my day was just scouring the internet for whether it was discs or selling discs and making posts and this and that. It's like, we, like we need one spot. And, um, that's kind of where that came about. You know, uh, you know, we teamed up, it was the right place, right time. I was make I was I was making ju- I, I, I'm still making just enough to be poor, but um, like it was one of the, like I just gotten to the point where like I thought maybe I could I could jump ship and um, and really you know do this full time. So I had already had the Daddy Mac Dies LLC. He had the Distying.com LLC, and uh, you know we we partnered up. And uh, really went full into it, and I, you know, I I thought it was really cool when we had thirty artists, and uh, I think now we're up to, we're over two hundred. I think maybe two hundred and thirty artists now, um, that are all uh, all on the website, um, you know. So it was just kind of one of those things where where, where you where you had to, uh, there was a need for it, and we were able to facilitate that need, and uh, and. You know, I was just, yeah, it was just exhausting trying to sell across all these platforms. And then, you know, find, finding the supplies, um, it, was, it's, it wasn't super hard to find the supplies, but just to be able to have all of them in, in one spot, or at least the, the main ones, I'm still trying to, to 
to grow distilling.com as far as like what we keep in inventory. But at least for now, like we have a, you know, a good supply of, um, you know, kits and dyes and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and discs for, uh, for people to, uh, you know, to buy the, the elite kit has really been like the big one. Like I was really surprised cause, uh, and that's kind of where that came from. So I wanted to do a daddy Mac dye kit and I came out with it with a kit and it really was a flop. I sold like eight of them. Um, and it was like, it, it was a little, le- it was a little less than what comes in the, in the elite series kit now. And, um, but it really was just kind of a flop and it's super tough to, you know, you know, you really have to, you really have to work something to get word out there. And, um, you know, it just, it didn't do as well as I thought. So we ended up breaking, I ended up breaking that all apart and then put together. Once we started distine.com, we put together like a real serious kit, um, that really, it, it comes with everything you need to, to start, um, you know, everything except your medium, the, the glue and the acetone and stuff. Um, but there was a, there was a couple people offering those kits sort of like, but, um, uh, but it was real tough to find like, you know, really everything all in one. And, uh, that's been really cool. Cause, uh, it, it really is a, 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 a good kit to, to get started. And, um, and you get, you know, you get, you get the key kit, which is, uh, like six base colors and then, uh, the daddy Mac dies, uh, color kit. Uh, so, so you get a, a pretty wide variety of colors and then everything you need to, to get started. That is awesome. So if any of you listening need blank disc dies or die accessories, head to discdying.com <laughs> and help, help Chris, uh, get some tomato soup and grilled cheese on his, hey. uh, dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, selling physical product in general is hard because it costs money to have an inventory of stuff to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does Keith do? Cause it seems like you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> it, it, it's tough. It's a saturated market. You know, we, it, it really, you know, there was, there was the disc golf boom. Um, and then all of a sudden everybody wants to sell everything. I kind of think we're in the aftershock of that, um, right now. Um, we're like, everybody jumped on the, um, uh, you know, the disc golf, train uh and started their own started their own business so it's it, you know i really had to had to persevere and that's what we've done um but uh no keith you know it, you know in all honesty uh, i wouldn't be here without keith you know he kind of like i said he already had the domain um and he he really is the uh the financial backer to kind of to start all this um and uh, i think it's only fair that uh, that i do everything else you know you know, he's the reason that's we're, that I'm even able to do the distying.com side of things. Um, so, uh, so yeah. It, and, and honestly, like I, I just, it's what I enjoy. I, I've, you know, I've been in sales, I've been in customer service and, um, uh, you know, I, I was had a waiter bartender for more years than I, I care to admit. So, you know, customer service and, um, hospitality and all that I, I'm just familiar with. Um, so being able to just talk to and relate to people, um, trying to be fair with, uh, with, with what we sell and how much and, and, uh, and, and talking to, to vendors and this and that, like it's, uh, it's all within my wheelhouse and, uh, I am super passionate about it and I want it to grow. 
So, you know, it just, it fires me up. Like, especially like right now is like the juiciest part of the season because it's like all the new contracts are getting signed and you see who's moving where the new discs are coming out. Um, you know, we're figuring out like what events we're going to be attending and, um, you know, who, who, uh, you know, who we're sponsoring, who I'm sponsoring, you know, this year, it's really cool. You know, I got Drew Gibson, uh, you know, obviously Luke Humphreys, uh, Luke and I have worked together for a couple of years now. And then Stacy uh, Ronsley, uh, who just moved to Castaplast. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, and to actually have kind of like a little, uh, a little team, if you will. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's the funnest part of the season because you're constantly, you're, you're emailing and you're just, you're, you're doing all the things and, and talking to, uh, to different pros and retailers and, and, uh, and manufacturers. Uh, so it's super exciting right now. That's awesome. So you're the muscle to Keith's brain. Hey, you, yeah, you're <laughs> right about that. I am not the brains of the operation. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. And I, I really do uh, hope the wish the best success for distying.com because i like i said it's it's tough and everybody in the mother has or are selling discs mm -hmm. um so that's been difficult and i also feel like now uh dyers selling their discs are getting pretty saturated as well so that's it's yeah. becoming a tougher market it is and you know and, and i'm you know honestly like because i've noticed it because i've taken you know i've taken a hit um you know over the last year because there we created our own problem which is fine like this is the whole reason like we wanted we wanted a space for people to um, you know for people to sell and and to be able to direct traffic to artists like you know instead of you know all you have to do is go set up your marketplace and we take care of the advertising like we're the ones that you know we we work with uh, you know we're going to be working with gk pro again obviously you know most people saw our, our ads uh, last year on the skins um, you know, so, you know, we're looking to just to even to ramp that up even more, you know, this year we're going to, um, we're going to do some more advertising, hopefully, you know, have some spots on, on pro tour events. Um, and that's, you know, really our purpose is to drive traffic to the artists, you know, um, obviously it's going to be super tough. Like, you know, I, and this is like, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm, I'm one of the, the, the bigger guys in the dying industry, at least selling selling dyes and it's tough for me uh you know i have a pretty good outreach and i work with pros and it's it's tough um you know to to be able to do this full time so anybody just starting off if you're just looking to do it on the side you know that that's the reason we created distying.com is to have one place so that everybody in disc golf knows if you want a dye disc go to distying.com. We charge less than anybody else out there to, uh, to, you know, unless you want to buy your own website, which is totally cool. It doesn't, you know, and, and we actually have a lot of people like I had my own website and I just linked it up with uh, distying.com and it's a forwarded address. So daddymacdies.com is, you know, it's going to forward you to the, um, the distying.com website. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, charge less of a commission than Etsy or any, you know, anybody else. And, uh, you know, we do that on, you know, it's for a reason, you know, we want, uh, you know, we want artists to make, make as much money as that, you know, that they can. And we don't want to, we don't want to take that from them. Um, you know, obviously we have to have something cause we have to run the business. Like we have to, yeah. we gotta, uh, you know, keep the lights on if you will. And, um, but, uh, you know, I think we, we keep a pretty modest amount, um, you know, as little as possible. 
um, you know, so that the, uh, you know, the artists can, can hopefully thrive and, and we, we get, we get eyes on them. That's, uh, you know, our goal. Again, the distying.com marketplace was a fantastic idea and just, it makes a lot of sense. It's your one-stop shop for, uh, people who want to buy dyed discs. And it's, I also like it because dyers don't have to necessarily set up and create their own website or mm-hmm. go through <laughs> shutters Etsy. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's simple and easy for the dyer. So yeah, great yeah, idea, yeah, great timing. Yeah. So yeah, that was the goal. And then, you know, we're, and we're constantly evolving. Um, and, uh, you know, cause we like, um, we work with another guy. We, we brought another guy on this year, Raul, who is uh, a phenomenal web developer. Um, and, uh, you know, he's constantly coming out with new ideas. Like we have new ideas for the site. Um, you know, we're actually going to be offering, um, uh, custom storefronts, uh, this year. It's going to be an added feature. Um, but you get your own custom storefront. So as opposed to it, just going to, um, you know, if you, if like, if you looked at my page, for instance, it just comes up, you know, like daddy Mac dies is the seller. And then it's immediately, you know, uh, the discs that I, the items that I have for sale, but we're going to be offering, um, like premium, uh, storefronts. So when you go to daddymacdies.com, now it's actually going to be a storefront. It's going to have all, you know, YouTube links, Instagram links, like everything going on, bios, videos and stuff like that. So you get like a real, uh, a real better, uh, or a, a better, um, you know, storefront and, and it really looks like, uh, you know, a legit website. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that we're going to be working on, but we're constantly trying to figure out like, you know, what could be better? How do we drive more traffic to the site? You know, um, you know, what features are we missing, you know, and, and that we can add and, uh, that's going to make it, you know, easier for the, uh, for not only the customer, but the artists themselves. Yeah. Again, great idea, great concept. And, um, I hope everything, I, when I say, I hope everything works out, I feel like it's like, it's going to fail. Um, so whatever the positive wording for that is, yeah, good luck. <laughs> that sounds bad still too. Uh, whatever. Um, do you have any advice that you would give dyers to help them promote their work and to become successful? I know you um, kind of touched on it a little bit before, but yeah, I, you know, um, when you, when you get into this, you kind of become your own boss. Like obviously we, you know, we do as much as we can for the artist um, to drive traffic to, to the website. But as far as like your personal branding, um, you know, I, I had no knowledge of really social media other than uh, Facebook. And I think the only reason I started an Instagram, I think I started an Instagram originally because I really was into um, to health and fitness for a while and was doing some nutrition training and stuff like that. And it originally started with that. And then the disc dime thing just kind of like fell in my lap and I was much happier doing that. But um, honestly, what I did was I just read what other people were doing, uh, you know, to uh, to get views, to, uh, to get likes and your visibility out there. You know, I just kind of studied what other people were doing. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't fun, honestly, it wasn't fun in the beginning. Like, you know, it, it's a lot more fun now that I kind of have like a, a working knowledge of what's going on and, and, uh, and how to create, uh, you know, videos and, and stuff. 
But um, yeah, it, it, it honestly, it required me getting out of my comfort zone and doing some things that, you know, I probably previously scoffed at. I was like, I'm not doing that stupid stuff, you know, but like if you if you want to run a business like and, and it's just you, like you have to learn how to uh, to brand yourself and put yourself out there um, and, and you have to get comfortable with doing those uncomfortable things, whether that's being on camera and, and, and doing videos and pictures and, and, and putting your work out there. Cause it takes a lot. Any artist that puts their work out there, they're putting a little piece of themselves out there and, uh, and they're, and they're leaving themselves open to, to criticism. And, uh, so it, it, yeah, it takes a lot. Um, so I think getting comfortable with that and, uh, and just kind of, uh, uh, asking questions and, and reading and, and studying what other people have done before you um, help tremendously. Uh, you know, like I said, we live in this crazy time where you're able to brand yourself and anybody can kind of create their own brand. Um, so, you know, learning those social media, you know, I, I think, I think learn one uh, would be a tip, learn one and get good at it and then bring in another one and work with that one. You know, don't go, all right, I'm going to start Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, and all, you know, and I'm going to do all these social medias at one time. You're going to, you're, you're going to burn out real quick and you're going to get frustrated. And, uh, it's just, it, it's going to be super tough. So, you know, my recommendation, you know, for me, you know, Instagram makes it pretty easy, uh, to, uh, to kind of, to build and develop a brand. Um, so, you know, kind of getting good at that. And now that they've changed the algorithm now, you know, we got to be on camera more. You got to make videos. You got to make reels. Um, you know, that whole competition with TikTok. But, um, yeah, I think get good at one, get good at one social media platform and then start building, you know, the, the next one and the next one. Um, you know, I kind of right now I stick to just the three with Facebook, YouTube and, and Instagram. I don't really do much. I, I post stuff on Reddit, you know, from time to time, you know, in the, uh, the on the dying page and maybe if I'm selling stuff, you know, just to get word out there. Um, but uh, um, that's about all I, I don't TikTok. I, I haven't really worked into, you know, that, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, they're really they're pretty invasive with uh, with their their app and, and their their software so uh it's, it's just because you're old <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well but that that might be the next one to look at if i'm looking into another one you know tiktok it 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 can really can really um you know boost your visibility real quick if uh, if you're doing you know you know funny witty um you know uh just quality quality little content so that might i might look into that you know uh i just I've, I've been so busy with everything else it's like adding another thing is uh is uh not so easy right now yeah so after this podcast you're gonna go oh tiktok then you're gonna get sucked into it <laughs> after um, this podcast so, it's uh meeting with gk pro awesome um so the listeners that are listening to give you motivation if chris and i can do this you can too. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big dumb animal, ladies and gentlemen. And I <laughs> never in my wild, number one, I never thought I would ever start my own business. Like that was never even like a thought until, you know, you know, a few years ago. And, uh, so yeah, I a hundred percent, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, holy cow. The next thing that I want to talk about quickly is vending at events. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips or tricks that you would give people that would like to vend at events 
and how they would even vent at an event, like get their foot in the door. An easy way to do that, uh, I think obviously number one is to go to an event and talk to the vendors there. Uh, you can get, I'm sure, a wealth of knowledge from uh, from that. Uh, I'm trying to, what was the, I think the first event I vended at was DDO in 2021. And that was because, so we did the Die Academy and, and through that we were able to set up our own tables um, and to sell you know, to sell our discs. And, um, I learned a ton just from that, like seeing the other, seeing the way everybody else was set up and what they had, the tents, the tables, uh, lights or music, you know, whatever it was, you know, and he, you know, I was standing in front of a wooden fold out table or behind a wooden fold out table. And, uh, you know, I had, I didn't have a square reader or anything like that at the time. I had, you know, my um, my PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo information like on a laminated card beside my discs. And, um, you know, I think uh, that was a huge learning experience because after that I went, I got the square reader. Like, you know, it was a nightmare. Like, oh, yeah, just PayPal me here. Type this information in. Oh, did you send it? Yeah, I sent. Oh, I got bad service. Oh, yeah. And it an absolute nightmare and or some people are like oh i just you know i have a card i don't have paypal so you know that was a big one you know having a quick easy payment portal uh works wonders and really you know when people can just boom hit the chip and and go um you know they don't want to it sounds it sounds uh, like predatory but you don't want to give people enough time to second guess their purchase right like you want like if they see that and they're like, oh, I want this. You go like, here is the way you can get it, right? Um, you know, be it, being able to take any, um, uh, you know, being able to take any payment, I think is is a big one. And then uh, I think, you know, the second one that you know, my I guess the the second tip is, um, you know, the more official you look, um, you know, the better, right? Like um, it's when you when you when you get there and you're and you're ready like you know having that 10 by 10 your branded 10 by 10 you know really makes a big difference you know when you when you put that that branded 10 by 10 with the table covers and a flag up and you put that beside you know some dude with a, a walmart you know blue canopy pop-up tent that's kind of lean into one side and uh, it's one t- right like it doesn't seem like much and by no means am i above that because that's where i started but it really does make a difference. Like, you know, as the, as you know, one of the spectators walking through, you're like, Oh, and they see that and they see the brand recognition. You're like, Oh, they were here last year. Let me, uh, I'm going to go check them out again. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I think working, the last thing I'd say is, is talk to TDs, you know, um, honestly, I think selling at smaller events, it can sometimes be better. Um, number one, you have less competition with other vendors. There's not as many vendors there. Chances are you might be the only dyer there. Um, uh, so starting off at smaller events is a great way to just kind of see what you need, work out some kinks without, you know, going full on. Um, so yeah, talking to, uh, to TDs and, and, uh, and getting to, to local, you know, local events that'll have some traffic. I think is a uh, is a good way to kind of get into it, and then you look at maybe, you know, um, your bigger events, your you know, C tiers, B tiers, and then uh, and then up to the the you know the PDGA events. 
Do you think it's worthwhile vending at events? Um, absolutely. I do. Um, and there, and more, more than just a monetary reason, right? Like I've made more connections, uh, and met more people, uh, being at events. Uh, you know, I, I've ran into so many people that are, oh yeah, you were here last year. And oh man, I tell my buddies about, I got this disc here from you last year, man. I still throw this, it's still in my bag. Um, you know, I've met countless pros and, uh, man, you know, other businesses, uh, you know, that, which is, you know, a, a, a tremendous commodity is having a network of businesses that you can ask, um, for advice in certain situations that maybe they've been through. Um, you know, monetarily, it's not always great, right? Cause you got to think about, you know, the costs of, uh, you know, cause some of these bigger events, um, you know, for, uh, you know, I'm not going to, uh, put anybody on blast, but like there's some tournaments where it's 500 to $750 for one, for a, a 10 by 10. And if you want a double space, you got to pay double for that. So, you know, that's, that's, um, you know, the, you factor that in, that's $500. Let's say you just want one 10 by 10, that's $500 um, for just that spot. Um, you know, if you're, if it's an event that's, uh, you're going to be staying at a hotel, you got to factor that in. That's usually another, you know, depending on how many days that could be $500 or more, um, uh, your gas, your food, uh, and all that. So in the end, you know, you might not always make out. I do think it's still worth it though. Um, with, uh, uh, with the, with the, the, the resources that you're able to, um, uh, come by and the, the connections you make. I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, you know, one of our things I think we're going to be doing with this we're trying to figure out how to do the, the logistics of it, but we're trying to set up more events where, Distine.com buys the spot for artists to vend at. So, you know, let's say one artist can't afford the $500 for a spot. Um, and we actually tried this at Maple Hill last year. Um, and, it, you know, it worked. We had a couple of artists come out. Um, and essentially, you know, we bought a big double space at Maple Hill. And uh, we had a few artists all selling their work. Um, you know, they just, they might pitch in a little bit, you know, just to help with the cost. Um, but, uh you know, it gets them in and selling their discs at a major event for, for cheaper. So, you know, one of our ideas is trying to expand on that and maybe be at different tour stops, have our tent set up, and then, you know, local artists get to, uh, you know, can, can go sell. But uh, it, it's tough with that, you know, because then we're talking about like shipping very expensive 10 by 10s across country, and then whoever's there has to take care of it. And uh, so, we're trying to figure that part out, but it's something that we're looking into and that we're, we're, we're very interested in because I, I do think it's nice to, you know, to be able to go to these live events. And, uh, and if you haven't gone to a live event to see these guys throw is another level. We are not playing the same sport. <laughs> it is absolutely incredible. Um, so even just for the experience of going to, uh, to a major event, I, I think uh, it's absolutely worth it. Yes. Um, so for the vendor sharing, um, I definitely want to try that out as well. And also at events that aren't this dying events, like um, creative uh, marketplaces, mm -hmm. um, 
because I've heard that uh, someone vending at a place uh, the first year made a decent amount of money, but the second year, because everybody already bought his disc in that local area for where he was vending, mm-hmm. said it wasn't really worth it. And I think they tried vending at um, a creative market, and he said they made more money there than at an event because you're not really competing for anybody. And, um, you know, all these husbands are bored. It's like, oh, disc. Let's go check those out. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, we don't have much around here. Um, you know, it's like like we do have a uh, like a farmer's market on Sundays that I will probably start um, – that I might start selling at once I have the course put in. Um, I was actually over there before this uh, – before the podcast, I was starting to map out and flag, um, you know, the course and the holes and the layout and stuff. Um, but I think, you know, once that goes in and we kind of get disc golf established here uh, in Roscoe, um, I would definitely like to have, um, you know, a, either maybe a setup at the farmer's market or, um, you know, the, maybe one of the local general stores or something like that having, you know, a setup where, uh, where you can sell. Because there is a, a the town over uh a buddy of mine brad uh he owns like a a really cool toy shop and uh you know he he has a a few of my discs in there and uh so yeah finding little stuff like that i think it's you look for every avenue you know that's you know you you might not think you know think outside the box i guess you could say with uh you know where where you're selling all right chris well i know i've learned a lot and uh, the next section that I like to do is a speed round to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and we'll see what your answers are. The first okay. segment is favorite fave. What is your favorite band or song? Boy, that's tough. Um, I would have to, it's so cliche. Dave Matthews. Um, I would have to go Dave Matthews, number 41. It was just, it's, I remember it was such a, a vivid memory in my childhood. Like I, uh, my grandparents, when I was younger in North Carolina, they had a house on Lake Norman and my uncle, who he's not too much older than me, um, was like this big Dave Matthews uh, guy. And I just remember hearing all that and being at the lake in, in the summer. So it just like, it all takes me right back there. So like off the top of my head, that's where I'm going. But my music is all over the place, man. Awesome. Well, it's not a bad thing that you like multiple things as long as it's not country. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite food? Uh, pizza. That's easy. I'm, I'm, I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> awesome. It's got all the uh, food pyramid basically in one thing. Yeah. Favorite beverage? Ooh. Um, God, eggnog. Like, really? if, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I drink water all the time. Like, that's like, my, like I mainly just drink water. Um, you know, if, if I, if I'm drinking like probably seltzer water, I drink most, but like, as far as like my favorite beverage that I love to drink and I don't drink very much of it, obviously, cause it's a heart attack in a glass. Uh, yeah, I love eggnog. Oh man. Just a, a, a super cold glass of eggnog in a frosty mug. Ah, so good. Well, very interesting. <laughs> um, Besides uh, saving children, disc dying, selling discs and disc supplies, disc golf and creating disc golf courses, what other hobbies do you have? Um, 
you know, I, I like to stay healthy. You know, I, I try to get into the gym a good bit. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a hobby, but, um, uh, but, I, uh, you know, the gym is important to me to be, uh, uh, you know, just to stay healthy. Uh, I also do jujitsu. Um, I started that about four months ago with, uh, with my son, uh, Mac, you know, he was, he's always kind of been a physical kid. He likes to wrestle and stuff. So I was like, all right, let me, let me get you into, uh, I think I got just a thing for you. So we went to, uh, uh, Renzo Gracie, uh, Academy in Middletown and, um, and I signed him up last summer and after about a month of being, a parent sitting on the sideline and watching the guys go at it. I was like, I can't, like, I got to get in here. And, um, I wrestled a little bit in high school. Um, so just getting back into like a sport, like, a, and being around a group of, um, uh, of like-minded people again, you know, out outside of disc golf was, uh, was a lot of fun. And, uh, it, you know, it, it is brutal, man. I get, it's mainly, <laughs> mainly all it is, is just me getting choked out and beaten every you know, two, three times a week, but, uh, I, it's quite, quite enjoyable. I, yeah, I, I really love it. It's a, a good workout and uh, a mental workout, you know, uh, it really is like this physical game of chess. Um, so, uh, so that's one thing. And then I just started, uh, uh, working with a pot. My dad was a woodworker and so I grew up around a wood shop. So, so I do, you know, I, I do carpentry and, and, and I do woodworking myself uh now uh but i've also started playing around with uh like epoxy um i'm gonna start doing uh, i'm gonna start making uh minis um i've just kind of been you know looking into it's always something i wanted to do like with with the epoxy stuff um but it was never you know i just never kind of had the time or whatever but uh, i think you know i just i really started to have some ideas um you know creatively creativity creatively uh with the uh the epoxy stuff and uh, so I want to start making, you know, minis for people, um, you know, just, you know, a new avenue for uh, for my creativity to just kind of kind of let loose. So uh, so be on the lookout for those guys. I, I, I should be adding that to the um, the repertoire soon. That's awesome. Well, uh, make sure you don't piss off Chris when you see him because he'll kick your ass, um, <laughs> no. but he'll probably give you a little mini afterwards. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, uh I know I learned a lot and I'm, I'm glad that you took time out of your day to be on this little tiny podcast here. Um, so you'll also be raffling off a disc for this. Um, so when the podcast goes live, you will have a chance to win one of Chris's amazing dyed discs mm -hmm. for as little as $1 and a hundred of the, a hundred percent of the proceeds will go back to him. So he doesn't have to uh, make money to be poor. So uh, go support him. You can, Enter the raffle at dyersguild.co slash raffle. And that raffle will be live for two weeks. So, Chris, again, I greatly appreciate you being on here. You're honest, humble, and, you know, an okay guy. So, thank you. Hey, Dave, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I think you got something really cool here. Um, I, 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 I always, like, I wanted to do a podcast. Um, and, you know, I... It was one of those things like I just couldn't really I, I couldn't get a good idea or know where I, like I couldn't figure out where I wanted to go with it. So it just kind of kind of fell to the wayside. Then when I saw you doing this, I was like, man, that is that's perfect. Um, you know, I, yes. I've always I've always had the idea of uh, I wanted to do um, essentially it, it's kind of like this, but it's an interview with like different pros. 
And essentially, like I send them a dye kit and I interview them uh, while they do a dye. And like I take them through how to do the dye. And we do, but I just, I never had the equipment, number one. And then, you know, you know what are they going to be, you know, how do you set up so that people can see, you know, what's going on on the table? So it, it, it never really came through. But I, I love what you got here. I think it's a great idea. It's nice getting to know all the different artists. Cause I, I, like I see all the artists. It, it, there's not many artists that I haven't heard of, at least through like the Dyers page and stuff. Like I see a ton of these people, I recognize names, but it's like it's like names and work. You know, most of the time, if you talk to me, you're like, "Oh, my name's Mike." And you're like, "Great, Mike, that's cool." And you're like, "Oh, I'm so and so Dyers." It's like, "Oh, yeah, I know you." You know, that's uh, that happens a lot. Um, so it's nice to see this and uh, and to really get to uh, to see you know the Dyers and and uh, a uh, a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, it's awesome to put more of a personality behind the Dyer's um, name and business name. And um, just like kind of like this Dying.com, right place, right time. And um, again, anybody out there, just do it. doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But all right. Well, um, have fun. Take care. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey, see you guys. Bye.